aboard! All aboard! All aboard! Let's go! Hello and welcome to Disney Brit, and I'm just setting it up for Young and Wonderful Alan. So, Alan, you're the host of this. It was only because I've had to do a direct link that I started talking first, and I don't know the theme tune music. So, is it? Is it? Ooh, Disney Brit. Ooh, Disney Brit. It sounds exactly like that, to be honest. Get in there. <laughs> just a, a bit more harmonising, please, next time. Okay, can I go and just check Wikipedia and see what harmonising means? Okay. Anyway, it always starts with, hello. 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 No, it's the last one's Mimi. Mimi? Yeah. It's it's Pika from um, The Muppets. Oh, right. Really, do you think I, after four years I probably should pay more attention? Without a doubt. You're, <laughs> you're clearly too busy fiddling with buttons and stuff like that. Okay, Casey. Let's get this show on the road. Adam is um, unfortunately busy again tonight. He's um, Tied up doing... He's t- tied under the desk. <laughs> Finally, we've got him tied up. Yeah, occasionally you'll hear him mutter and I'll give him a good kicking under the desk. Um, unfortunately, he has got control of all the audio, I believe. So um, we're a bit sans music at the moment, but that's okay. And um, would obviously like to start the show instead of leaving it another week. What we're going to do is we're going to join straight in and start doing the Disney Brit show. So tonight I'm going to be Alan Goodyear. Aha! And joining me by my side is my trusty friend, Juz. Hi, Juz, how are you doing? Hello, Disney Pop people. Hello, Adam Allen. <laughs> did you do that right? No, you didn't. You did it wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, on tonight's show, what we're going to be talking about is um, we've got to start off with a little bit of sad news, unfortunately. We're going to have a little bit of the Disney cookery stuff that we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. I'm not and you didn't have a break then. It was like, the sad news is your Disney cookery. <laughs> well, I'm too excited. There's, there's too much stuff to run in the show and we've already got 10 minutes into it. Um, so we're going to go back into our Disney cookery thing, which we sort of dipped in and out of. Um, we all like food, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a little bit of special audio to share with you that I recorded. It's getting on for a year ago now. Um, I was very lucky enough to meet up with um, author Jim Corcus at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and he sort of gave me a guided tour, one of the, the best things that money can't buy, although he is bought with a burger. I love Corcus from the Dandy comics. <laughs> Corcus the cat. cat ever. <laughs> And you got to meet him? Awesome. Excellent. So, um, I'm just going to double check. Just, are you able to play any audio? I can play the Jim Caucus because I've downloaded that from you. Because we're also doing this and sending it across a massive bandwidth between Way I Man and <laughs> Calm Down, Calm Down. And it's, it's trundling down there. So, we have the Jim Caucus if you want to do that. That's about 19 minutes, 19 seconds approximately. Okay, we'll start off with Jim Caucus, and Jim Caucus um, takes me around Disney's Hollywood Studios, and we're starting off in outside Grauman's Theatre, and it's the best information you'll find about the resort. And if it isn't the cat, I'm going to be so angry.
we're back again for a, another podcast. Is, yep. is, 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 is there no rest for the wicked? And, <laughs> oh, and, no. and, and those of you listening at home, don't you have something better to do, like watch Doctor Who or Primeval <laughs> or, or Dr. Martin or, or something oh. like this? You know? I, I never got into any of those. I, to be honest, I don't get any chance to see the TV. My wife controls the remote control, and I have to sit in my study. Ah, no, well, so. I, I, I think your wife says you receive TV, you just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. So I, I think it goes with, with that there. So. But anyway, um, uh, this so. is uh, Jim Corcus, the um, American counterpart of Alan Hooper. <laughs> um, author of a fantastic book. Author of the fantastic book, Vault of Walls, um, which, which, you sh which you should be getting. And um, uh, this is another podcast that takes place at Disney Hollywood Studios. And in fact, um, we are in the forecourt of uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. And this really was an icon on Hollywood Boulevard, still is today. Yep. And this was supposed to be the castle at the end of Main Street uh, for this park that would pull people in. Of, of course, that uh, was destroyed when the <laughs> <laughs> the sorcerer's hat was put in. Yes. Uh, I was a Disney cast member at the time, and they told us, no, it's just a temporary structure. But when I saw them uh, putting in steel and concrete into the ground, I thought, that's eh, kind of yeah. funny for a temporary <laughs> structure there. And that was done for the 100 years uh, of magic. In fact, the, the sorcerer's hat is about um, 100 feet high. The whole structure is about 122 feet high. Okay. Hat alone is uh, 100 feet high, so Mickey would need to be at least 350 feet high to wear it. Um, Maybe that's the 200 years of magic. Yeah. And, and, and again, there, there were many reasons for the hat uh, being there. And, and again, uh, none of them artistic, all of them financial. <laughs> Uh, because uh, when you think of the Magic Kingdom, you think the first image, the first icon you think of is... The castle. The castle. When you think of Animal Kingdom, the first icon of the park you think of is... The tree of life. The big tree. Uh, Epcot, the first thing you think of is... A giant golf ball. That giant golf ball uh, made out of uh, uh, a Lucabon. Right. And um, uh, so... Uh, over here at Disney MGM Studios, uh, they were thinking that maybe it would be the water tower because uh, a lot there were a lot of water towers in Hollywood Studios because they had to have water uh, for cooling purposes and also uh, in case a fire broke out, you could yep. release it. And that's why the water towers were so high too, so you could release it. And come, pressure there. Right, uh, come down. Uh, so was it uh, the um, water tower? Was it? Um, uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. Well, you couldn't really have it, Grauman's Chinese Theater, because Disney doesn't own uh, the rights uh, to that image. And so uh, they went with the hat without uh, uh, telling cast members, really. I was going to say, I suppose also that uh, the theater would have sort of looked like a castle in silhouette form. Yes, and it does, it does. Because again, as, as I said, designed very much like Disneyland, this was the castle that was going to pull you down the, the, uh, the street. Um, uh, to do that. Um, and, and again, uh, we talked about uh, Mickey Mouse and Fantasia 1940, and since this is the Hollywood of the 40s, well, we'll use a Fantasia image and, and that will do it. Uh, now, the interesting thing, there's several interesting things about Grauman's Chinese Theater. One of them is that they use the exact same blueprints that were used to build the original. 
Right. Okay. And so this is, the facade here is full size. It's not any of that 5 8 scale or uh, anything yeah, that, that people uh, talk about. Uh, there is one significant difference. Have you ever been to Grauman's Chinese? Uh, I've never been there in person, though. I've, I've seen just, pictures, just in seen your spirit form yes. at night when the Wiccan witches send you there? In hallucination form, yeah. <laughs> in hallucination form. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's more or less right across the street from the El Capitan, which of course Disney renovated and operates. But there's one significant uh, uh, difference. You'll see over here to the left, that is the ticket booth. That should be right here in the front, but you right. can't have that in the front because then that blocks the entrance of, you know. I, I was just, I would not have spotted that as a ticket booth until you point that out there and then it makes perfect and, and, sense. And, well, see, I, I told you, I can say anything I want and, and you can uh, believe that. Now, over along the side here, uh, it says, uh, this facade is a recreation of the Chinese theater originally built in Hollywood, California in 1928. Actually, the Chinese theater was built in 1927. And in fact, um, uh, that's when they even started the uh, uh, footprint ceremony because there was an actress who tripped and in the construction literally put her foot into the cement <laughs> and Sid Grauman, who owned and operated the theater, thought, what a great gag and yep. sign your name here and that went. But the Imagineers, why would they put 1928? Um. Was it after it got repainted in 1928? No, that's a good guess, though. That's a good guess. But you know, the uh, there are 1,928 feet of track in in this attraction. Wow. Yes. And if they did it in inches, it would have been ridiculous. It would have. It would have. Um, it would not not have even been built yet. <laughs> now, in the forecourt here, uh, again, when the, when this opened. Um, uh, they did have people place their, their feet and handprints in here. Uh, they, they don't do that anymore. They don't even maintain the, the, the ones that um, uh, they have here. Yep. Uh, but, but it's good. And uh, we're standing in front of, uh, who are we standing in front of? Uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. And why is that important in relationship to Disney. Now we know Harrison Ford, he's Indiana Jones, he's Han Solo, uh, you know. Well, you, you just took all my answers out there. Oh, I did. In relationship to Disney though, well, you know, out here in the forecourt, I think there are about three or four people who put in their footprints and their handprints and they are represented by audio animatronics in the ride. Ah. And I wonder who those other characters could be. Can you think of any uh, uh, um, I'm trying to, I'm looking around here. I'm, 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 I'm guessing, I'll be guessing John Wayne, but I don't know if he's here or not. No, John Wayne uh, passed away before the, uh, before the studio. And Neil, Neil Diamonds, I can't remember him in the great movie ride. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll help you out with, with two of them. Uh, Dick Van Dyke in the Mary Poppins scene. Yep. Um, Maureen O'Sullivan who played Jane in Tarzan. Right, okay, yeah. And, uh, oh, now this is a, a, an interesting one. We're standing in front of one, and, and who is this actor? Uh, that's uh, Charlton Heston. No, it's not. Who is it? That's uh, Charlton Heston. No. Spell it for me. Uh, C-H-A-R-T-O-N. <laughs> Charlton Heston. <laughs> What happened? Charlton Heston was getting along in years, uh, <laughs> and uh, what happened is, as he was signing his name, a fan 
yelled out at him, and so he looked up to acknowledge it and went back, and he left out the L. <laughs> well, uh, in so the... it's been left there forever. Yes. You know, hire a chisel and come back and demand it. See, and then uh, you better be careful uh, uh, too, because here's, here's Robin Williams. And why does he have to be careful? Because look who he also had uh, put in the handprints. Marsha? Yeah, his wife that he divorced to marry his <laughs> nanny. Well, he can't go back and lift no. his concrete. Martin Shorts. Um, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman. Right. Not to be confused with PV. There you go. And Pee Wee Herman is in what Disney attraction? Star Tours. As Captain Rex Knight. Is, uh, is he still and, there? And they, they, they actually use a clip of his voice because uh, Rex is being uh, shipped back now. Right. Uh, because he's uh, defective. And, and they realize that, that people would, you know, oh my gosh, people are really going to want to see him. They, they like him. Uh, so much, and this, um, of course, is Jim Henson, Kermit the Frog. Right, Obviously. and in fact, when he did this, you see Jim Henson's handprints, you see Kermit's, Henson had his Kermit puppet, and he used that to put that in, so those, right. are, those are Jim Henson's Kermit puppet, Actual ones. There, as well as that. So there's a, a, a lot of uh, uh, fun there, and uh, uh, again, in, in the ride itself, there's, there's an awful lot of interesting things. You, you remember my telling you that they had to license 250 films yep. and um, some of them they had to license separately like Wizard of Oz. So that entrance into Oz was supposed to be the uh, tornado taking you to Oz. But what was happening was uh, Turner, who owned the rights to, to Wizard of Oz, yep. was charging Disney by the minute. Right. And so, in, in order to do that, they reconfigured the whole thing, so it would, it's now Fantasia. If you look out the back car as you pull into the next room, you might be able to see on the ground different styles of gold paint on the floor as they were going to be painting in the yellow brick road to take you in to the next scene. Excellent. Isn't that excellent? I've, I've also heard that uh, the winds from the... Fantasia scene is uh, representative of the uh, whirlwind tornado. It, 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 it's actually representative of uh, your Mickey's biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely correct there. Now, um, again, crossing over into the studio, and you'll, you'll notice that you know the uh, the pavement will change too. A lot of people miss you know the entire uh, um, uh, sculpt uh, out here, and. Um, you know, the figures here, Yep. remember it's Hollywood of the 30s and 40s? Yep. So there's a face representing comedy, there's detective films, musicals, I'm, I'm glad you weren't going to say they were actual people. Uh, horror. Uh, one films, horror films. Sci-fi. Yeah, there you go. And in fact, there's a hidden Goofy. On the reel of film. On the reel of film. And there's, is that guy sort of taking the shots? Right, and there's the Chinese theater up there. There's the Carthay Circle Theater up there. across the road. Right, and so again, this was sculpted by uh, Perry Russ, yep. who sculpted the, the Mickey at, at the uh, the front of the park. And um, again, that's what happens when you work at uh, Disney: is you sometimes don't get uh, recognition. 
uh, for the work that you do. And in fact, we're, we're passing by uh, uh, the Hollywood Brown Derby on our way down to uh, uh, Sunset, and a lot of people ask, well, how come this isn't in the shape of a hat? Well, it's because there were actually several Brown Derbies. The first right. one in 1926 was on uh, Wilshire Boulevard, right across the street from uh, uh, the Ambassador Hotel, where uh, uh, Senator Robert Kennedy uh, eventually uh, was shot. But that was in the shape of a hat, and that was done as a bet, because um, Gloria Swanson's ex-husband uh, made a bet that, yes, he could uh, um, build a hotel, and it, it could even be in the shape of his hat, mm -hmm. And but if he served good food, people would still come, and they did. And that was 1926. Well, it was so successful, but what happens is if you build a concrete hat, you can't expand that hat. No. All right? So, built another one in 1929 on Hollywood Boulevard, and that's the one that celebrities went to, and, and that's the one that is recreated um, right here. Uh, the owner uh, an operator was uh, Bob Cobb, who um, was a, a big friend of Walt Disney. They were both big, huge uh, baseball fans and actually uh, 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 were partners in a uh, baseball franchise for a short time. Uh, Bob Cobb is the one who created the famous Cobb Salad, because one night, uh, remember my telling you that businesses were on the ground level and on the second floor you usually had apartments or yes. whatever. So Bob Cobb lived on the second floor and one night about two o'clock in the morning he hears this pounding at the door and it's uh, Sid Grauman who's drunk as a skunk and uh, it, it, this story has been softened over the years. <laughs> this is the real one. A drunk as a skunk, it comes in, he had been partying, Cobb didn't want to send him home so right. drunk, needed to sober him up, but the kitchen was closed for the night. Uh, so he went into the refrigerator and saw there were little bits and pieces of things. So he pulled them out and chopped them up very finely. You know, uh, some lettuce, a, a tomato, uh, uh, some cheese, an avocado, you know, uh, all mm -hmm. of that stuff. Yep. And served it uh, to Sid to sober him up so he could go home. And apparently it worked uh, that he was well enough to make his way home. Next day, Sid comes in, sits at his uh, booth in the Hollywood Brown Derby, and orders a Cobb salad. Excellent. And as soon as other people saw him eating that Cobb salad, they wanted one too. Super. So uh, if I go for a skinful around uh, Hollywood Studios and come back here and celebrate, uh, 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 go for a skinful around here. You'll find yourself uh, uh, on a on a slow dinghy uh, paddling back to the UK <laughs> before you, you'll be ending up in Blackpool before you know it. Um, also, Brown uh, Derby was famous for its dessert, uh, the grapefruit cake. And if you yes. haven't had that, you should have it at least once. Uh, and the reason for that is in the 40s, a very popular diet for starlets was grapefruit. So if you ate a lot of grapefruit, you know, with, with the acids and all would flush it through your system, whatever. Yep. And so... Um, my mum used to have one for breakfast. Oh, good. Half a grapefruit. There so, you yeah, go. I know all about that. Hope she didn't put sugar on it. Because that defeats the whole purpose <laughs> of, of that, you know. Um, and uh, so uh, uh, there were um, people coming in and they said, well, we can't come here because your desserts are so tempting and all that. So he created a grapefruit cake. However, the grapefruit icing is filled with cream cheese and all this. <laughs> so it, it's actually richer and has more calories than a slice of chocolate cake. But people would come in, have the meal, and then have grapefruit cake and think, I, I, listen, I have friends like that. I, I, I'm, I'm a large uh, uh, 
uh, guy. I'm larger than life to begin with, but I'm a large guy. I, I wish I was smaller, but I have friends who are, are much larger than I am. And uh, one of them, we went into this uh, uh, one restaurant and um, I just wanted a slice of pizza, but he wanted a whole pizza yep. and everything on it, yep. everything on it, including the kitchen sink. And then he ordered a Diet Coke Yep. And because they didn't have a Diet Coke, we had to get up and leave. Because he was, and, and I tried to explain to him, I said, Tom, <laughs> I, don't think, yeah, I don't think drinking the Diet Coke balances out this huge pizza <laughs> for yourself with everything on it. Let's go inside for a second here. No problem. So we're going in the back door here. Or, or a side door, by where the restrooms were. Uh, upstairs they used to have a bar, the, a catwalk bar. Right. You can look, look down, and that was great. Now, the reason I brought you in here is because there's a picture, and what does it say? Walt Disney Imagineer, Herbert Ryman, caricatures, Georgie Jessel. Right. And you have to realize that um, uh, the old story was that there was an out-of-work artist. He showed up at the Brown Derby, and he said, in exchange for a meal, I'll draw caricatures. And Sid Roman, uh, not Sid Roman, Bob Cobb thought that that would be, you know, a great promotion. And so uh, he hired him to do this. That artist left and another artist came. There were like four or five artists. And as I said, there were more than one location of the Hollywood Brown Derby. One of the artists, Herb Ryman. Herb Ryman, of course, who came up with the design for Cinderella's Castle, came up with the original uh, uh, painting proposal for Disneyland, all of that. Excellent. And there's a picture of Herb Ryman in his younger years before he joined Disney. And again, these are the little hidden things that you can find uh, all throughout the park if you know where to look. In fact, uh, one time for cast members, I did a scavenger hunt called Where in the World is Walt? Where, <laughs> where basically there were elements in each of the parks that referenced Walt Disney, but again, they were, they were hidden. They might be a, a picture on a wall, or they might be, you know, right. a, a hat, or, or, or something like that. So obviously not, nothing as obvious as the statues. No, no. How'd I got them to? It, well, that's good for you then, <laughs> when, when you do your scavenger hunt. Uh, My scavenger hunt is uh, Cinderella's Castle, find that. <laughs> you know, some people can't even find that. That, that may come as a shock uh, to you here. I'll, uh, yes. What we're doing at the moment is we're hydrating. Or dribbling water everywhere. Dribbling water. And when you're out here in Florida, it's important to do that because a lot of people don't realize and collapse from uh, heat stroke and dehydration, all of that. Not a, uh, not a pleasant experience. Hello everyone, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson from Walt Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort and I'm giving a big shout out to all my friends listening to Orlando Sky Radio. Bamboo Forest Publishing and author Leonard Kinsey bring you the dark side of Disney. 
The dark side of Disney reveals all the tips, tricks, scams, and stories that they don't want you to know about. Unabashedly unafraid of offending the family-oriented audiences catered to by other Disney travel guides, author Leonard Kinsey gives intrepid travelers access to the seamy, raunchy, and often hilarious underbelly of Walt Disney World. From cautionary tales of scoring illegal tickets, to thrilling accounts of exploring off-limits areas, to chronicles of drug-induced debauchery, this utterly unauthorized guidebook will change the way you think about vacationing at the happiest place on Earth. Available from all online retailers or purchase a signed copy at www.bambooforestpublishing.com. Tomata Racer, Omaka Raka, Tassi's Twisters, Alhalla Wave and Huru Run, Dolphin Plunge, Roa's Rapids, Lockerhead Lane. Whew. The list of watery attractions for the whole family just keeps on growing. Yay! Come along to Aquatica, located just across the street from SeaWorld Orlando. Check our website for more details. www.aquaticabyseaworld.com for a splashing good day. Over 100 interactive and virtual reality attractions featuring the world's largest laser tag arena and arcade. Wonderworks on International Drive, Orlando will turn your world upside down, literally. Wow, and that was absolutely incredible interview. I know there's more of it, but that was brilliant. It was well. The, the, the best thing to say is you should have been there. Really, um, the the best you'll get is I did record the stuff in stereo sound, so in theory it sounds as though you should be there with Jim Corkers, but it was absolutely amazing. I. I was supposed to be interviewing him, asking him loads of questions, but I was just walking around smiling and nodding. And, and when the guy all, starts he talking, you just... hints and tips, he just knows off the top of his head. Yeah, he, he, there, was, there was no preparation there. It was... Well, the, the whole event, I started off sitting outside... Um, the, well, outside the entrance of Disney's Hollywood Studios. And we, we sat down, I offered him to buy him a cup of coffee, and he said, no thanks. And he said, you ready? Are you recording? And we just went literally four hours almost non-stop. Wow. And he, he didn't sort of break, he didn't stop. Well, obviously, in the in the recording, we did stop for a, a quick refreshment from a water fountain. And then we continued walking around with water dribbling from our chins like we were sweating like fools. Um, great fun. And well, I can't sort of wait to share the rest of the um, audios with you. He seemed to really um, enjoy it, though, himself. It wasn't like it was a bind for him to do that. Because he obviously gets asked to... You know, he just seemed to be enjoying it, talking to you and telling you things that perhaps you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, he doesn't offer it as a service. Um, you've got to really hunt to be able to find him as a, as a contact. Um, I've, I was lucky enough to be able to get him as a contact on previous projects. And I, I still keep in touch with him about different things that I'm doing. So he's a, he's a good friend and hopefully I get to see him again in the future. Apparently he told me that he didn't like you and there's a restraining order. Yeah, he's just very polite. Very <laughs> polite, and I'm very persistent. I didn't know about the Charlton Heston thing. I really have missed that. I can't believe I've missed that. If, if I'm honest, I sort of knew it, but I sort of always play along to... I, I knew what he was going to say, so I played along with him. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just, I just know everything, me. Yeah, you're like Lumon Jello from the northeast. Yeah, I'm more blue... Blumon Jello. Why I Jello? <laughs> um, 
obviously Jim Caucus is an author of books. Um, he released a book called The Vault of Walt, and The Vault of Walt, fantastic stories about Walt Disney, about the parks, um, about the history. One of the stories that I remember from that that book is he talks about um, when they start to open up the castle at Disneyland Park um, in Anaheim to do a like a walk and tour. I think it was um, Sleeping Beauty. They did like a, a walkthrough tour. And well, then they open it all up to get some people to go in to sort of measure it all up and see what they can actually achieve. And apparently Disneyland had a problem with wild cats. And as they opened the doors, the place was just filled with wild cats. Not cougars, nothing crazy. <laughs> a couple of lions and a tiger. Yep. And as they went in, one of the things that also was evident was that the wild cats or she would call them stray cats, is that a better way? I, I, sorry, in my head, I've got like lions and cougars now <laughs> pounced on like, be, a, be my guest, wardrobes and stuff, but go on. So no, these, these stray cats... No, sit with wild cats. Okay, these wild cats. Wild cats! Ooh, also had around. fleas. And this place was riddled with fleas. And these people that went in, during the daytime when the park was full of people, went in, got covered in fleas. It was like head to toe covered. They were like literally patting fleas off. It was that bad. Is that and what you do? You, you sort of pat them rather than stroke them. And apparently, um, some guy said, "You wait here. We'll go and get someone to help you." And I, I can't remember the exact version of the story, but I don't, can't remember if if Walt drove them off in a car, like a like a hero on a white horse. He drove the fleas off in a car. Are you talking about Michael Benteen now? <laughs> well, it was either that or the the pipe pipe of the fleas <laughs> out the castle. Anyway, it's a, great, it's a great book. Lots of good stories in there. I think there's about 40 stories. He has also since did the record and released a book called Who's Afraid of Song of the South? Not too much of a controversial book, but it does delve into areas that the other books haven't really hit. And one of the segments of the book is called Other Forbidden Stories. Now, this will sell copies. Sex, Walt, and Flubbed Films. Now, if ever you want a title to sell books, you know, the stuff that's in this last segment surely is going to sort of drive some sales. Although I don't think the sex is that bad. I'm sorry, I'm still with the wild cat because I really was hoping <laughs> your story would go and he opened it and the wild cat had Mickey in his mouth. Because then I've got a picture of a tiger with just Mickey Mouse in his mouth. And then mm. say, it was all finished by a wild cat. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be perfect to wrap it up, but unfortunately... I can't remember the end of the story. We, the, the story was rubbish. You started off well, and then you went, oh, something happened, and then Walt drove a load of fleas away. Well, it was it was true. This is why I put more Jim Corcus on, at least when he tells a story, it's good. <laughs> Maybe I should have kept another five minutes on and <laughs> not talk about the rest. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think it's time to now move on to the bit of sad news. Oh, hang on. I'll do an Adam, I'll cue up the audio and have it in the background. Bring it up first, dramatically. And then I'll fade it down so Alan can get the sad moment. Yep. I'm, I'm sort of, I've got tissues in my hand in front of my computer. Sad news. <laughs> oh, because this is a, this is a, a, a nice podcast. I'm not saying a word. 100% family friendly. Spectro Magic has now officially officially been retired oh, as of when i don't know this week okay 
Um, it obviously left the Magic Kingdom in 2010 and was replaced by Main Street Electrical Parade. It was believed that it was going to potentially come back. Main Street, people believe that the Main Street Electrical Parade was only going to be in for a temporary period. But it has now officially been retired and will be dismantled. But there is a hint that some of the parade floats will still be kept. However, I don't think it's the just the floats that is what inspired everybody to love that parade so much. It was the music. Ooh, let me just fade it up to give a hint. See, you don't need Adam. No, no, it's it's it's, it's like having if if we were like professional radio people, which we're not, but we could be. It's like. Like you're the the sound producer guy. Yeah, that's what I've always wanted to be in my life. <laughs> and and to be fair, did you do you get to see Spectral Magic? Oh yes, I love Spectral Magic. And I know that a lot of people love Spectral Magic. I think Dunks used to have it on his ringtone. Yeah. Um, or the whole whole twenty one minutes of it. That's one yeah. hell of a ringtone, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and and funny. By the time it got to about 20 minutes, he used to kick into the answer machine so he'd never answer the phone to you. <laughs> but um, yeah, unfortunately that parade is gone and we will may or may not get to see any part of it again. So there, know, there's a little bit of back, hope it? that it might return in segments in the Festival of Fantasy Parade, which is um, is getting built at the moment. No, but what you do is you take it away and you bring it back in five years and everyone goes, wow, it's back, let's all go back to Disney World. Yeah. Well, the weird thing about some of the Disney parades is that I think um, the current three o'clock parade, whatever it's called, which I should have planned that, mm-hmm. there's, there's one float in that that I saw back in 1990. And it's like, it's either like a crystal um, castle float or it's like a mirrored castle float. Well, that'd be funny. It must cost a fortune to make. You're not going to get rid of them and just take them down to eBay, are you? Well... You remember the Disneyland Paris um, character train that they used to ro- roll out? Don't you tell me something bad about that. No, no, it's, it's still there. Ah. It's, it's just been given a new coat of paint. Well, that's the, nice. So, um, yeah. So anyway, just to reiterate, just in case it hadn't sunk home to everybody, Spectro Magic is definitely no more. Well, hang on. To be fair, Adam would have played that for about 10 minutes now. Yeah, he would have. I, it, it, it'd have been more edgy. Edgy? No, it's not edgy. He just plays music. Like, his intro is like about 20 minutes long. Our intro is like 30 seconds. And we, we summed up the same thing. <laughs> to be fair, our intro started after we started talking. Yeah, well, that's how, that's how edgy we are. And thank you for joining us to the Disney Brit Jus and Al Special Edition. <laughs> if this doesn't kill his podcast, nothing else will. Hang on a second, I'm just going to throw him a, a cup of water and a slice of bread. Right. Have you got the incidental music for the next bit? Uh, yeah, um... Oh, 
I was hoping you meant that one. Yeah, that's the one. Ooh, I, I, love, nice. I love that. That, that would be um, that would be a good ringtone. If that's where you're inclined. It actually sounds like a ringtone. It does, doesn't it? I think it's something to do with monorails over at Disneyland, California. Okay. Uh, but anyway, that's that's totally unrelated to what the segment is. Why did We're going to start talking. Why did you make me play it then? <laughs> Just because you what? liked it. Speak again. Why did you make me play it if, if it's totally... Unrelated? Yeah. Because I just like the music, okay? I'd just like to share the music. Oh, Adam would have done that. He would have had a segue into that. Yeah. He, or should I say that that bit of music was quite cheesy. Oh, I like it. Which is ideal for the cheddar cheese soup at Le Cellier Epcot. Now, to continue on from our um, mouse versus food segment that we've been uh, running previously in the podcast... We eventually moved on to cheddar cheese soup from the Cellier. However, what we did previously was we recorded our live cookery segment. This time, we decided that after we sort of introduced the whole lot, you get the idea. And it's not always fun to listen to 20 minutes of people chopping and grating. So what we'll do is we're going to run through the recipe and explain it. The recipe is available on our website at disneybrit.com forward slash blah, 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 cheddar cheese soup or something. <laughs> and um, we'd like you to sort of make the recipe and let us know your experiences of it. Um, and here we go. Okay, you ready? You got your shopping list ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to okay. make it as you're about to say it. You're making it? As you're saying it. Right, okay. Need 1.2 litres of milk, warmed apparently. To what temperature? Um, about finger temperature. So if I put it in pockets for about an hour, that should be good. Yeah. Okay. That's um, a lot of bottles. We need half a pound of bacon, ten tablespoons of butter, three sticks of celery, chopped. This is the low-cal version, isn't it? The low-calorie version, yeah. yeah. You could use um, ten, butters, ten spoons of lard, <laughs> but it wouldn't be as tasty. Um, three sticks of celery, finely chopped. Two red onions, finely chopped. 190 grams of flour. One litre of chicken stock. Half a kilo of cheddar cheese. Half a kilo. Salt and pepper to taste. One and a half teaspoons of Tabasco sauce. Or basically just shake as much in as you need. Three teaspoons of Worcester sauce. Ooh, I can't even say that one. Worcestershire sauce and 330 mils of warm ale. Now, there is a specific ale that you're supposed to use, which I think was a Canadian mousse ale. I would have to look into that one because we we didn't actually use that. What we actually used was we went to Asda, a division of Walmart. Or any supermarket. We don't endorse a particular one. But the, the beer that I used was... Banana ale. Oh. Um, I don't know why I chose it. I think I was thinking maple syrup is quite sweet, and maybe that this would be slightly less horrible than all the other ale that I've ever tasted. Yeah. I'm not an ale man. Nor am I. <laughs> Good stuff. So anyway, also another thing to bear in mind with all these recipes is if you're going to produce this and you've only got a family of about four or six, make half the recipe. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to kill the family off, as I found out. Right, okay. Warm the milk in a small pan. 
brown the bacon in an, another pan. You need a second pan on the hob. And sort of dr dry fry it. Now, what I did there was we, we sort of fried it off in the pan and sort of what I call render it down. It sort of dried out. And then the more I fried it on a lowish heat, it sort of broke up into tiny pieces, which is perfect for adding it in the soup because it's not like a big hearty broth. It's more of a, a fine, rich soup. So keep frying that until it breaks up. Add the butter and melt that into the pan with the bacon. Add the celery and onions and cook that on a low heat until the celery and the onions are sort of translucent and soft. Then add the flour and mix it into a like a paste or a roux as, as the professionals would call it. It'll turn very thick and very dry. Then you turn up the heat and add your chicken stock and simmer it for three minutes. Add the warm milk and stir vigorously until it thickens and boy does it thicken. It, th it thickens like glue this stuff. And then just cook it a bit more. Reduce the heat to low because uh, you had turned it up apparently. And then um, add your cheese. Now at th this point if you've used a large pan you'll realize that by adding your cheese you've took it to the brim of this pan unless you've got one of these chef's cauldrons it is a lot of soup and when i say soup it's not really like soup once you've added the cheese it forms a newish consistency of almost like liquid plastic which was nice don't get us wrong add the uh, salt and pepper tabasco worcester sauce stir it all in and then just as you think that you can't get any more into this pan you've now got to add your ale so this is why I recommend use a giant pan and half in your quantities. Finally, once it's all cooked through, serve it in the bowls. Put a few fresh chives, which weren't in the uh, weren't in the recipe, as a garnish, and um, voila, your food poisoned half your family. Isn't it funny? Is it that celery is one of those weird things that most people wouldn't touch? at all yeah every time and you do a recipe celery seems to creep in it and i'm sure there's a celery board a bit like opec that yep. puts celery in every recipe it, it you'll be you'll be surprised you'll be surprised how many recipes do have celery in it and i, I don't know if it's because if you eat it on its own it's a stringy horrible vegetable which just has crunch in it now, is it by adding it to something that absorbs the flavours of everything else and sort of just adds a little bit of crunch into it? A bit like a useless fact there is the fact that celery is a food that you use more calories in eating it than it actually contains itself. Yeah, quite possibly. It's not possibly, it's true. And you use even more I'm not calories. Funny. Jim Cork has told you facts and never once you question it. I tell you a fact and you went, oh, quite possibly. Yeah, that's quite possibly. No, you didn't. I've, 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 you went, oh, Jim, you're great. <laughs> oh, just your average. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'll, I'll check your fact book later. Right, I am right. Right. If Jez is talking a load of fabrication, please email me now on alan at disneybrit.com. I don't even know if that email address exists. Well, you'll find out when you get no emails. Or I get fired. Um, How can you get fired? You're, the only, you're here. <laughs> True. Right, okay. Next next thing I'll say is 
we, I, I let my family sample this this gallon of soup. This gallon enough, this giant cauldron of soup. And two out of the five members of my family ate it. Three of them didn't. And I've just realized there's only four in my family. Why did they not like it? Because apparently if you don't really like cheese, you're not going to like the cheese soup. Oh, uh, did you not know your children didn't like cheese? I knew my wife didn't like it. I thought my daughters were open-minded, but once my wife goes, eh, that's horrible, my daughters then go, eh, that's horrible, and now I'm left with 12 bowls of cheddar cheese soup. Can I ask you a question about that, then? Yeah. How long does it keep? I ate it over five days. Mm -hmm. I had it for... I had two bowls per day <laughs> for five days. Um, both bowls were at lunchtime. I took it to work at lunch. Um, it stored quite well in a Tupperware. I did microwave it. It does go a bit thick, almost a bit like a jelly, um, <laughs> because the cheese sort of solidifies a bit more. You really you put, it in, in put, it, put it in the microwave for 30 seconds, then break it up into cubes, put it in again, <laughs> and keep, keep sort of putting it in and out and mixing it, and it, it's, it's, it's fine. That it, sounds bio when you say it like that. <laughs> it, it was sort of... When it, in the microwave consistency, it sort of had that sort of texture of, um, you know, nacho cheese. Yeah, yeah, like the stuff you get for, at cinemas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. Did you feel you had to eat it to prove a point? Because it sounds that way. You're going, oh, it's gonna, it's gonna be lovely this in a minute. <laughs> well, when you when you spend about sixteen quid on ingredients, <laughs> you want to get your money's worth. <laughs> it was, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, and I totally recommend all of our listeners even after you've heard all that to give it a try and let us know your thoughts on what your recipe was like can i ask an honest question though you may how does the consistency and taste compare to the real thing it's it's hard to say because i only had a child-sized portion of this in epcot if you'll recall from a previous episode where i had the uh, the mousse chocolate as well and to me, when I was eating the first bowl of it, fresh, it did remind me of Disney World. The, f the flavors were there, that the high salt content. Um, it, it just had a lot of flavor there, which is what I remember from the product out there. How about bowl yeah. number 10 out of the microwave? It, it was getting a bit of a bind. This <laughs> was getting through it that much. Um, I have to admit, I did get sick of it towards the end. But if you're half the quantities, you'll still have that freshness and that excitement from that first bowl. <laughs> I think. Um, have you had the cheddar cheese soup over there? When I'm over there, I love it. I think it's absolutely amazing. But when I looked at what I had to get when you did it, I was umming and ahhing. Because even if I halved it, I still got to buy a lot of products. Yeah. You know, the ale would go to waste because I don't like ale after I've used it. Well, I will I will say that when I did choose the products and bought them, I did buy the smart price or the bargain price products. So my cheddar cheese was insipidly white. But 16 but, quid was the cost, was it? It was, it was about that. And it, was, like, I hadn't got Tabasco days. sauce, I hadn't got Worcester sauce, etc. Um, and half a pound of bacon is quite a lot of bacon. 
and I think it was the soup, the the cheese that was killer on it. Fourteen kilos. Um, but I will say that my favourite Disney meal that I've ever cooked was actually a teriyaki steak, which we haven't actually released yet on the website. So um, I'll tell you about that one in a in a few weeks' time. I should look forward to it. No problem. Right, where are we going next, Jez? I don't know, we've got six minutes. See, normally Adam would start his exit now and go, eh, don't forget Facebook and this phone number and get hold of me on, and he'd go on for like that for six minutes. We can do it in about 30 seconds. So yeah, because we, we, we don't have much to say at the end. Um, let's have a look. Let's see what else I can, I can look at. Um, oh, that's not the story I was thinking of doing. It's sunny. It's sunny. Hotels there. Um, Paris. Disney at D23. I was going to say DB23. Oh, D23. The place where we're all going. Yes. They've um, announced that they're going to have a costume contest. Guests are going to be able to make and turn up in their own Disney costumes. And there's going to be an award ceremony for it. And I think it's called the Alamode con Costume Contest. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Does that sound good? It does. I think I believe the award is the Disney lawyer sues you for copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of awards that they're, they're sort of offering. And from the looks of it, some of them is uh, most original creation. So it means that, you know, you, you could turn up dressed up as a doom buggy and you might win that one. I'm looking forward to the award for the person who's got D23 in a foreign country and can afford postage and packing. Yeah. That, that's, that is the killer for us, isn't it? I don't get why. I really don't understand when you look at UK was the largest international country going there. Okay, Brazil caught us up because we hit recession. It's too far and Richard Branson really screwed us over. But yeah. I just don't understand why they can't make a UK edition or electronic edition and I would sign up in a heartbeat. I, I, I agree. If, if you could get a PDF instead of the magazine, or even the magazine can't cost that much to post out because I used to get the one from Mr. Mongello. Um, we don't necessarily need all the ornaments and the trinkets and stuff that they sell as send as special gifts. Um, the pin badges, you know, you can send that with the magazine if you do get that and a certificate or whatever. But... Most of it is just visual information and magazine-related stuff that we would be able to benefit from. I would pay just for a PDF version. Yeah. That made me feel a bit special. Disney loved me. If, if, if only. So anyway, the, the categories for the comp dress competition are original design, recreation, craftsmanship, young fan, and best in show. So you've got the original design, so that'll be either an inspired by dress, like you know, you could do a new princess dress, just as I know you're interested in that. Um, a recreation, I don't know what that means. Is that just going to be a direct copy? Mm -hmm. Craftsmanship, are they going to check your stitch work? Yep, I've been practicing that. Young fan, are they, they're talking for the youngest fan, like a baby dressed up as Rapunzel. I don't think it has to be the youngest, I think it's just a young one who's got the best thing, not like, oh, he's just been born now, half an hour ago. You, you couldn't do that in this country because you'd be discriminating against the other ones. So it would have to be the young fan competition would end up with like 60 prizes. 
Yeah, and also to be fair, you couldn't say young fans, you'd have to open up to all old ages. So, about young yeah, fans, Fred, who's now 60. Yeah, 60 years young. Yeah. And best in show. That's like a prize turn up, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. Best in show to me, and it could just be me, it just reminds me of Cruffs. Yeah. So they'll, they'll take you there, they'll check your nose, they'll lift things up to make sure it's all perfect. Be really yeah, yeah. wary of what they're going to do there. Oh, it'd be brilliant. Imagine you've got a wife or a girlfriend dressed up as, as Belle and you have to parade around the show ring, holding her by her nose probably, and uh, making sure that she walks correctly. It doesn't appeal to me, this costume bit. The D23 thing, I would love to be out there. Nick's going out there and I'm really jealous. The costume thing, I find a tad, I don't know, a little bit tacky. People love it. Cosplay's huge. And people mm-hmm. love it. And certain people absolutely, you know, absolutely. Kez is amazing at the stuff she produces. Um, but no, not not my bag, baby, as we say. I, I don't mind the occasional bit of dressing up, but I don't like to do it in public. <laughs> you have done. That I have things. done it in public. <laughs> for comical effect, of course. Was that what it was for? I didn't realise. <laughs> I, I don't think I turned up at Mouse Meets Dress as Mr. Incredible on purpose. Yeah, not with that body, no. <laughs> Yeah, there, there were, to be fair, there, there was a, there was a, a punchline joke that we, me and Chris had spent days working on, and I ran out, picked up the microphone, did my joke, and it was turned off. <laughs> and that was the whole point of the Mister Incredible costume. Should me and you do mouse meets next year? Um, yeah, could do. Just me and you. Just me and you. <laughs> in, um, in a cafe in Newcastle. Yeah, we'll save the money in the cafe. You just come down here. We've got room downstairs. There you go. Jobs are good. Hi. You know so, outro music. Cue the music. Well, that's it for another episode of Disney Brit. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I've, thank you very much, Juz, for joining me. Absolute pleasure, Adam Allinger. <laughs> I don't even know the words that Adam says. He says, um, visit us at Facebook at Facebook forward slash Disney Brit. Podcast. Yeah. Email us at email something at Disney Brit. Um, radio at DisneyBrit.com. Yeah. Um, visit our website at www.DisneyBrit.com. Uh, phone 407 with anything you want from the parks. <laughs> anything you want from the parks? Are you doing like special <laughs> orders? <laughs> or something like that. Could, could you get me the uh, Park Stars Vinylmation collection, please? Done. <laughs> it's like dialer pizza. <laughs> if you could just send out some Butterfinger cupcakes as well, that would be fine. Um, and hopefully you've enjoyed the show. It's been a little bit different. Unfortunately, Adam <laughs> hadn't made it for the show this week. If you didn't enjoy it, please contact Adam on adamgoodger at disneybrit.com and let him know exactly what you think of our drivel. I think it's just uh, Adam at disneybrit.com. Fingers crossed we'll have more Jim Corcus in the near future. Um, and if you get the chance to meet the guy, say hello to him. And if you've got a copy of his book or books, make sure you get him to sign them because these things go for a fortune once they're signed. Unfortunately, I'd lent my episode, my um, what was it called? The Vault of Walt had lent that to my friend Chris, and I didn't get it back in time to get it signed. Not that I would have sold it on eBay, but you know that's the way it goes. So anyway, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you again. No, you meant to say see ya. See ya.
Oh, now he normally just plays the music out. We just sit and talk. Has the show finished yet? Uh, yeah, it's finished. Yeah, we're just talking really over the music, just to irritate everyone who's still listening. Yeah. Because oh. I presume everyone's gone. Huh? Do you, uh, do you, do you want to go for a drink? Yeah, go ahead. Where do you fancy? Uh, there's a new pub open around the corner. Let's go. Okay. Come. Get me coat. See you in a sec. See ya. Oh, I can't be doing with this. I'm just changing it forever. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>